0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, it is good to be back with you. I missed being uh, with you a couple times here recently. Last week, I wasn't able to be here with you worshiping, and so it's always good to be back here uh, worshiping with you. Uh, To be honest with you, there's so much uh, in my heart, so many things I want uh, to say to you, so many things I want to talk about, so many things I think the Lord is saying and the Lord is wanting uh, to do. But I have to tell you, what I want to share with you this morning, I honestly feel compelled to to talk to you about. Sometimes you just kind of have to stop what you're doing and uh, and just sort of shepherd the people on occasion, and uh, that I, f- I feel is what I need to do this morning, uh, just kind of stop and talk to you about something I really feel compelled to talk about. So just kind of get us focused and moving. Would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? Uh, we're going to read together the first part of our Old Testament reading from this week. It comes from Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to read the first six verses, just kind of get us focused and moving, I'll read the plain text. If you join me in reading the highlighted portions, that way we'll walk through the passage together. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. The first thing I want you to understand, this is one of the first thing I want to make sure you know, is that God wants you to walk in wisdom. God wants you to walk in truth and in knowledge and in understanding, and He's already done His part to see to it that you can. He's made wisdom and truth readily available to you. You just have to listen for them. Does not wisdom call out, the Bible says? Does not understanding raise her voice? Wisdom and truth are not hidden. God's put them right out in the open for anybody to find if they'll simply look. And I am convinced wisdom and truth are calling out to you this morning. I urge you to listen. I pray you don't leave unchanged. A few weeks ago, Teresa uh, Gardner shared with us a little bit about the missions trip to Israel that our resurrection uh, dance ministry was preparing to take at that time. And during that sharing, Teresa made the comment, I want to love what God loves. Really is a a pretty uh, profound comment. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to want to love what God loves. You need to hate what God hates. And while I don't have time this morning to go through a long list of things that fit neatly into those two categories, I do want to say this morning, in no uncertain terms, God loves human life. And He expects you to love it as well. A little later in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is speaking, wisdom is talking. It talks about being there with God in the beginning when He made everything. There's the creation of everything. This is, this is a part of what wisdom says there later in Proverbs 8. It says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in His presence, rejoicing in His whole world, and delighting in mankind. Wisdom says, I was there rejoicing in all God's creation, but delighting especially in human beings. Delighting especially in people. At Resurrection Church, we often say our goal is Jesus. To know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, and to become more like Him. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to love people. The Bible says that when God made people, He made them fearfully and wonderfully well he made them in his own image he made them after his own likeness the bible says when god first made people he made them male and he made them female so they could reproduce and bring more people into the world if you're going to love what god loves you're going to have to love people but having said that let's be brutally honest people are not always easy to love sometimes they're very hard to love they can be selfish and petty highly insensitive to you and your wants and your needs at any given moment and the truth is when it comes to people who are selfish and insensitive to the needs of the people all around them no people in the world are worse at that than babies this is my youngest granddaughter charlotte ruth miller you can call her charlie This is also Charlie. I love that picture. This is also Charlie. Listen to me. While she may look all cute and lovable in the pictures, I want to assure you there are times she is more difficult to love than others. Charlie's been with us almost three months now. And that an entire period, she's only slept about two and a half hours. And and, and that not at one stretch. She regularly goes to the bathroom right in her clothes. And pretty regularly, when you're holding her, thinking everything's going great, without any warning whatsoever, she'll throw up all over you. Some of you couldn't handle it. I introduced Charlie to you this morning as my youngest granddaughter because the truth is Jackson is my youngest grandchild. Charlie's 81 days old. Jackson is T minus 52 days and counting because Jack is still in his mother's belly. But just like Charlie, listen to me, just like Charlie every single day, Jackson's moving and growing and getting bigger and getting stronger. As a proud papa, I've got pictures of Charlie. As a proud papa, I've got pictures of Jackson. But you know, Jack hasn't even been born yet. He's already beginning to completely upend his parents' lives. He hasn't even been born, and he's already caused his mom a fair amount of discomfort. He hasn't even been born. He's already wearing her out and getting her up in the night. He hasn't even been born. He's already cost his parents a spare bedroom and a so, no small amount of money, and they should trust me when I say they ain't seen nothing yet. Here's the truth. The truth is, children are loud and messy and expensive. They're inconvenient, and they are absolutely and utterly disruptive to your life and your plans and your peace and your quiet. And it is precisely for all those sorts of reasons that a whole lot of people in this country demand the right to kill them before they can be born. As the people of God... We cannot sit back and act like nothing is going on. Once again, the abortion issue is forcing its way front and center into our national consciousness. And I would be guilty of pastoral malfeasance if I didn't talk to you about it. God has planted His church in the world. He's planted you and you and you and you and you and me in the world to speak His truth and to show His love, to pray and to labor to see His kingdom come and His will be done to make this world a better place in the name of Jesus. This world desperately needs you, so you need to know what to do about it. When it comes to abortion, the people of God must be able to think clearly and must commit to act lovingly. Make no mistake about it, the rhetoric is getting more heated. Abortion supporters are getting louder, more radical, more in your face. Way more than a dozen major presidential candidates right now are declaring abortion to be a fundamental human right and declaring people like me who oppose abortion to be enemies of mankind. In April of this year, two months ago, the governor of North Carolina vetoed a bill That would have required medical professionals simply to require medical professionals to provide the same basic level of medical care to a child who survives an abortion attempt that they would provide to any other newborn. It's called the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Act. It passed the North Carolina legislature, and the North Carolina governor vetoed it in April. And a week and a half ago, the North Carolina House of Representatives failed to override that veto. In the state in which you live, most of you, in the state in which most of you work or raise your children, the governor vetoed the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Bill, and 53 members of the North Carolina House of Representatives voted to uphold the veto. How does this happen? How do we come to a place where that many prominent, educated, seemingly rational people oppose mandating reasonable medical procedures to save the life, not of an unborn child, but of a child that has been born? and is lying on a table, gasping for breath, struggling for life in the presence of a physician and a nurse. How did we get here? I believe we got here in three steps, and I believe the Bible tells them to us. As we noted earlier, God wants you to walk in wisdom and in truth, but wisdom and knowledge and an apprehension of the truth always, always begins with God and His Word. The book of Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. A little later it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Sadly, even many, many Christians today rely more on their own thinking and their own opinions than on what the Bible has to say. And speaking of people who live like that, the Apostle Paul said, for although they knew God, They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The first step in this process of degradation and cultural decline and chaos, the first step is always a rejection of God whether active or passive, whether intentional or accidental. Some people deny God outright. They openly reject God. They openly reject the Bible. Some people uh, reject God more passively, maybe even accidentally. They just fail to think about him. But whether they say they believe in God or not, they live like he's not there trying to figure things out on their own without praying and searching the Scriptures. But make no mistake about it, the Bible's clear. When people live that way, their thinking becomes futile. Futile. This is the second step. It's not that they stop thinking. It's that their thinking stops helping their thinking becomes distorted. Their thinking becomes futile. They begin with false assumptions, so they naturally come to wrong conclusions. They think, and they think, and they think, and they think. They write books. They get PhDs. And all that thinking pushes them farther and farther from the truth because their thinking is futile. Listen, it takes a lot to... A very complicated, very bad thinking to conclude that one should have the choice whether or not to kill one's own child. Think of it this way. It's easy to think 2 plus 2 is 4. Any of you can do that. You can all think that. What's really hard to do is think 2 plus 2 is 8. you got to think hard to get there. You gotta start thinking how numbers, they're not even, numbers aren't things. Numbers are constructs. Not numbers are symbols. They can mean anything you want them to mean. And then you gotta figure out how to explain what's wrong with those people who think two plus two is four. You gotta point, you gotta explain. Those people are, are, are they're octophobes. They're trapped in old ways of adding. You gotta think a lot to come to crazy conclusions like that. You gotta think hard to mix things up that badly. One of the most prominent, futile thoughts dominating our current generation is the notion that nothing should ever be hard, that self-denial is an aberration, and that no one should ever be forced to make hard choices between competing desires. It dominates the thinking of this generation, the generation in which you and I live. The generation of the earth right now. This feudal thinking is applied to every possible area of life, but nowhere is it applied more specially than to the area of sex. This feudal notion assumes that I should be able to have sex with whomever I want, however I want, without any fear of consequences. It says as long as I am doing what I want to do, I shouldn't have to deal with consequences. Shouldn't have to deal with social stigmas or emotional baggage, or communicable diseases, or offspring. But as I regularly tell my children, you may be able to choose what you do, but you can't choose the consequences. Once people depart from the truth, and their thinking becomes futile, they invariably seek to redefine reality to their own liking. They redefine marriage, they redefine gender, they redefine killing. They call evil good and good evil, all in an attempt to create their own reality. And so for many abortion proponents today, meaning of words are turned upside down. They take a matter of life and death and treat it like a political issue, and they say it's about the issue of health care. I say, what about the health of the baby? What about the care of the baby? They say it's about reproductive rights. It has nothing to do with reproduction. It's all about refusing to reproduce after you've become pregnant. They use slogans like, my body, my choice, which begs the question, whose body is this? And when it comes to the possessor of this body, do you think he'd choose life or not? By the way, can I tell you, I got this, this is a real uh, baby in utero, real photograph, real baby in utero. I got this picture from an article in um, a Scientific American, not at all a Christian publication. A- an article in Scientific American where researchers have now determined that babies in utero can recognize and react to facial expressions. Scientific American. They define abortion with slogans, or they defend abortion with slogans like every child a wanted child. Well, thank God they say that, because at least they're admitting it's about a child. And they appear to be saying, if I don't want it, I should be allowed to kill it. The bottom line is this. When you begin your thinking without regard for God and His Word, your thinking quickly becomes futile. And futile thinking over time always leads to a darkened heart. This is the third step. Notice again the progression in Paul's writing. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. They neglected God, forgot God, rejected God, whatever. Then their thinking became futile. And Paul goes on to say, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, neglecting God, forgetting God, rejecting God leads to wrong thinking, and wrong thinking leads to wrong emoting, to wrong feeling. When your thinking is messed up, your feelings will be messed up too. You'll love and esteem the wrong stuff. You'll care deeply about the wrong stuff. You'll cherish and celebrate the wrong stuff. And so it's no wonder then that in the last few years there's been a growing social media movement to shout your abortion. Tweet it, post it, share it on Facebook and ask people to like it. Some people, some women have actually been live streaming their abortions as a part of the shout your abortion movement. I tell you, when I researched this, Some of the things I saw, some of the things women were saying, celebrating these abortions. I, I cried in my office. I blanked out the face, by the way, on this image. The young lady in the actual image, is actually the founder of the Shout Your Abortion movement. She wants you to know who she is. She wants you uh, to know she had abortions. She's very proud of it. My prayer for her is that one day she changed her mind. And so for her sake, I've protected her identity from you. The point is that's how this sort of thing happens. You begin by forgetting, neglecting rejecting God, your thinking becomes futile, your heart becomes dark, and that's how it happens. But the real question is, what do we do about it? What do we, as the people of God, how do we respond? What do we do? So I want to close this morning by suggesting three things that you need to do, three things you need to commit to do about this matter as the people of God. Number one, you need to pray. We always begin with prayer. You need to pray and thank God for life. You need to pray and acknowledge God as the giver of life, the source of life, the author of all life. You need to pray and thank God for your life. You need to pray and thank God for the life of everybody you know. You need to pray and thank God for the life of everybody you don't know. You need to thank God for the life of that guy that cut you off in traffic. You need to pray and ask God to help you love life and love people the way he loves life and loves people. You need to pray and you need to repent for all the times and all the ways you haven't been pro-life, for all the times you have not loved your neighbor, for all the times you have judged people rather than love them, for all the times you've judged people rather than help them, for all the times you have failed to be moved as you should be moved by the needs of the people around you. If you don't love children, you need to pray and you need to repent and ask God to change your heart and help you. My wife runs the children's ministries here. She asks people to work in the nursery regularly. Every once in a while, she'll ask someone to work in the nursery and they'll say, you know, I don't really do kids. I don't really like children. I don't really like to be around small children. If that's you, you need to repent. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Abolition of Man, I myself do not enjoy the uh, presence of small children. Because I am a follower of God, however, I recognize this as a failing in myself. If you don't love children, if you don't love old people, if you don't love any kind of person at all, you need to repent. You need to pray and repent and ask the Lord to change your heart and help you to love people like he loves people. You need to pray. You need to pray for those who don't yet know Jesus, and so they don't love what Jesus loves. You need to pray they'll come to know him soon. You need to pray for opportunities to love them toward Jesus. You need to pray for opportunities to share your God stories. You need to pray for opportunities to share your testimony and share your faith. You need to pray for women who are pregnant and frightened. You need to pray for women who find themselves pregnant and do not know what to do. Who really, truly, deeply fear what's going to happen to them if anybody finds out. What's going to happen to them if they carry this baby to term? You need to pray for women in crisis pregnancy. You need to pray for them. You need to pray for those children. You need to pray for the fathers who were a part of that process. You need to pray. You need to pray, and number two, you need to love. You need to love God and love people every opportunity you get. Look, look, look at me. Do not hate people on the wrong side of this issue. There is nothing pro-life about that. You can't can't hate people who vote for for bad laws. You can't hate people who shout their abortions. You can't hate people who tell women to shout their abortions. You can't hate the folks working at the Planned Parenthood clinic. Love them. Love them toward Jesus. You need to love women who are contemplating abortion. Because I'm going to tell you, the vast majority of women who have had abortions the vast majority of women who contemplate abortion aren't shouting their abortions. They're not in your face, parading and shouting and marching and yelling. They're hiding. They're terrified. They are confused and overwhelmed. I mean, think about it. I mean, they're sitting there. They, they, they What's going to happen if my dad finds out? What's going to happen if my mom finds out? What's going to happen if my church finds out? Am I going to have to drop out of high school? Am I going to have to drop out of college? Am I going to lose my job? Is my future over? Am I done for? Think about it. Think about a 19-year-old boy who just finds out his girlfriend's pregnant. He's sitting on $50,000 of college debt. He's still got two years before he graduates and can even get a job. The thought of child support payments blow his mind. Now, you can look at him and say, you know, you should have thought of that before he had sex. And the truth is, you should have thought of that before he had sex. But the truth is also this. That doesn't help them. Doesn't help with the fear, it doesn't help with the confusion, it doesn't help with the embarrassment or the shame or the pain or the terror they feel. So here's what the other side does. In the midst of that horror and terror and confusion, they walk up and say, I got a quick, cheap, easy answer for you. Couple hundred bucks, a couple hours in a clinic, and nobody will be the wiser. It is an incredibly demonic, powerful temptation. To make the fear and the confusion go away. You need to love the people who are being drawn or tempted in that way. You need to love them toward Jesus. You need to hurt for them and press into them. Lovingly tell them the truth and show them hope in a better way. Invite them into your home. Show them what it looks like to love God and love people. Show them what it looks like to love children. Show them what it looks like to love them. Show post-abortive women what it looks like to love them. Show Planned Parenthood workers what it looks like to love them. Show women contemplating what it looks like to love them. You need to love them. And then you need to look for ways to put feet to your love. Look for ways to make a difference. Some of you need to consider becoming foster parents. Some of you need to consider adoption. Some of you need to consider becoming a big brother or a big sister to a young person in an at-risk situation, a vulnerable young person who may be tempted to be drawn into these things. Some of you need to help in a crisis break. You need to give your time. You need to give your energy. You need to become... Pregnancy counselor, you need to donate diapers and baby clothes. I don't know what you need to do. I know you need to love and look for ways to put feet to that love. You need to pray, you need to love. Number three, you need to be a responsible citizen. Yesterday, several of us were at an event in the Cherry neighborhood, Planned Parenthood's wanting to open a new clinic, big, expensive, beautiful clinic a whole group of us went there yesterday We pray prayed, we worshipped, and then we quietly walked down uh, and stood in front of the clinic and we prayed and we just kind of funneled through hundreds of people just praying. It was peaceful, it was gentle, it was humble, it was worshipful. At the end of the event, Leon 3, you guys know Leon, he's spoken here for me several times. Leon said, you know, one of the main reasons we have abortion in this country is because we keep voting for people who let abortion in this country. There's a certain amount of sense to that. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to become an activist, and I want, to be, I want to be really honest with you. I'm not a huge proponent of marching and protesting and shouting and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of a whole lot of shouting and, and, and protesting. I don't believe the best and most biblical solution is to block access to clinic doors or to try and shame or harass abortion seekers. We're to try and shame and harass abortion providers, for that matter. Call me old-fashioned. I don't think that's the best way to lead anybody to Jesus. But that does not mean there is nothing to be done in the civic arena. That doesn't mean we have nothing to say. That doesn't mean we remain silent. You need to reach out to your congressman. You need to reach out to the government. You need to reach out to your state legislature. You need to show up occasionally at city council meetings and county commission meetings. You need to speak the truth in love. You need to make sure you're registered to vote. And you need to use your vote wisely to protect and to preserve life. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, unaffiliated, whatever, you know, I don't know, green hoodoo party, I don't care. But can I be, can I be really honest with you? Because you're going to have to own this reality. If you voted... In the last election for Roy Cooper for governor, you helped put into power the man who vetoed the Born Alive Abortion Survivor Act. That's just the truth. Now, you know, whatever reason you voted for him, you know, you don't need to defend yourself to me. You know, maybe, well, you know, Pastor Billy, I thought he was going to raise teacher pay. I got mad at Pat McCrory over, you know, toll roads. You know, can I tell you, I I don't care. Can I tell you this? I'm convinced from the perspective of God in eternity, pay raises and toll roads pale in comparison to the life of an unborn child. Too many people use their vote to get from the government things they want. You're a child of God. You need to use your vote to protect life and advance the kingdom. Elections have consequences. We have to take that very seriously. Seriously. To love what Jesus loves, you must love life. And your politics needs to reflect that. God loves people, born or unborn, aged or virile, super quick or super slow, white, black, yellow, green, he doesn't care. God loves people. If we're going to love what God loves, we're going to have to love people too. And as this issue continues to force itself front and center in the national consciousness, as the people of God, we're going to have to stand up in love and grace and mercy and in the name of Jesus and speak the truth. We've got to pray. We've got to love. We've got to be responsible citizens. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the power and clarity of your word. We can think whatever we think, but you have told us what is true. We can believe whatever we believe, but you have shown us what is right. Father, help us to love you and to love people and to represent you well in the world. Forgive us where we've failed to pray. Forgive us where we've failed to love. Forgive us where we've failed to use our incredible rights and opportunities as Americans to protect life and advance your kingdom. And help us to do better as we leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen.